Hi, welcome to Weekend Watchlist, a look at what's screening and streaming brought to you by the Letterbox Show. I'm Mia. He's Slim. Hello. And together, we are going to dig through what's dropping this weekend, last weekend, recent trends on Letterboxd, and we'll also take a peek at our own watch lists all under 30 minutes or your money back. Mia, today's episode is a big one. So with a little help from our friends, it's brought to you by 1001, a gritty and realistic New York City story of how a mother's love and resilience makes a difference for her family stars Tiana Taylor and written and directed by A.V. Rockwell. 1001 is only in theaters March 31st. 1001 follows unapologetic and free-spirited Inez, played by Tiana Taylor, who kidnaps her six-year-old son Terry from the foster care system. Holding on to their secret and each other, mother and son set out to reclaim their sense of home, identity, and stability in a rapidly changing New York City. So don't miss out on seeing the winner of the Grand Jury Prize at the Sundance Film Festival. Visit 1001filmtickets.com to get your tickets now. So from there, we're also going to talk about Dungeons & Dragons this week. 1001, which we mentioned, Rye Lane Community Reviews tagged Weekend Watchlist, what that same letterbox community thought of last week's movies, and we'll shuffle our watchlists together forever (laughs) until we're bones and in the Mm -hmm. ground bones (laughs) dungeons and dragons honor among thieves this is directed by john francis daly and jonathan m goldstein it is on twenty nine thousand watch lists and it is coming out wide in theaters it is about a charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers who undertake an epic heist to retrieve a lost relic but things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people awry and a foul both at the same time wow so slim, <laughs> never been done. slimbo never been done yes. slimbo we both saw this film this is real we have seen this movie i remember seeing the trailer for this in theaters and i was like wait a minute this looks good what's happening here you know and it's got chris pine in it michelle rodriguez and i went to see this with my son we had a great time he gave it four and a half stars <gasps> loved it what did you think? High praise, high praise. I had fun. I was I was an early believer in Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, if you'll remember. You were on the train first. You were the first mm-hmm. one on the train. It was in my anticipated <laughs> list. Yeah. I was I was believing in this um purely because Hugh Grant is in the film. Um that right. <laughs> that really um bolstered Uh, my hopes. And it was, in fact, fun and exciting. And the emotional core worked pretty well. The joke hit ratio is about 70%. And that's that's pretty Mm, high for irony-soaked blockbusters, which sometimes I'm a little bit allergic to, you know, um, that type of humor. But it's Mm -hmm. funny. It really is. And partially because John Francis Daly and Jonathan M. Goldstein made Game Night. Oh, I have not seen Game Night, but I've heard very good things about Game Night. It is a funny, funny movie. I've seen it several times. It makes me laugh every single time. So, yeah, these directors, they both understand the appeal of games and how to be funny. So that's a a happy little marriage there. My son and I have not played Dungeons & Dragons. Um, The only thing he knows about Dungeons & Dragons is from Stranger Things. So that was like his kind of intro, which I wonder what percentage of the people that go to see this movie probably learned about it from Stranger Things. The one thing I want to call out is they played a video before we saw it of the cast, like, thanking us seeing this in theaters. Like, they called us heroes. We're the real heroes. You are the real heroes. More of a hero than Chris Pine. 
I am, but he was dressed like a hero in that little ad, though. I have to say, Chris Chris Pine, let's just get it all out in the open. All the old knives, it swept the nation <laughs> last year on Weekend Watch List. His hair was out of control. Is he the most well-dressed man in the history of our great nation, the United States of America? Our great nation. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, he was, when I saw him, I did get to meet him, Slim. I did meet him. I did. I did. I spoke to him for a whole minute, and he was dressed in this wonderful olive suit. Um, oh, my God. You know, I'll I'll give him that honor of best dressed. I don't okay. care. I'm Confirmed. throwing it out. There. There. Confirmed. It's official. Best dressed. <laughs> we'll get the badge in the mail for Chris Pine. Uh, so you were at the red carpet for Dungeons and Dragons. You saw all the stars. You talked to Chris Pine. Is this real? It's real. It's real. I talked to Chris. I talked to my number one man, Hugh Grant. Best moment of Jeez. my entire life. I'm dead serious. I went to journalism school with the goal in mind of, if I get this degree, maybe I'll get to interview Hugh Grant one day. Like that is 100. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, and I got to do it. So, but we're, we're going to talk about Chris Pine because he told me about singing. Um, he mm. does in fact sing in Dungeons and Dragons as he plays a bard. Um, and he's right. sung before. Not many people know that he is an accomplished singer. I didn't know that. He has sung a duet with Barbara Streisand. He sang, I'll be seeing you and I've grown accustomed to her face. That You can watch that oh. on YouTube if you'd like. We'll have a link to it in the episode notes. Yeah, I feel like not a lot of people talk about the Chris Pine-Barbara Streisand duet, but um, I I do. And I asked Chris Pine about singing in Dungeons and & Dragons, and here is his answer. Oh, I love it. Yeah, are you kidding me? Of course. I don't think I sing all that well in this one, which I think suits the character fine. Uh, it's a little cringy sometimes for me, but... Uh, fuck it. At this point, I, I don't have much shame, and I'm happy to sing. Totally. <laughs> I love it. Uh- <laughs> oh, what a quote. What a quote from, from Chris Pine. I, I actually didn't know that he had that duet at all. I didn't know they had this Baxter. I do know that his dad you know, was in Chips. That's that's the kind of like trivia that I know about Chris Pine. That's, that's all I know. And then he's an amazing dresser. So I might have to dig into these YouTube videos myself to figure this out. <laughs> Yeah, I do have to point out, too, on your Twitter and IG, there, someone took an amazing photo of you interviewing Hugh on the red carpet with Chris Pine in the background. It's one of the most absurd photos I've ever seen. It is absolutely absurd. I feel insane looking at it, which is what I do with most of my time now is just look at that image. Um, mm-hmm. Watch the clip of Hugh Grant saying he likes my music and lyrics hat and therefore me. Um, very, very thrilling. We also, I'm going to tease, I'm going to tease this. We have some upcoming footage to be dropped of Hugh Grant discussing the similarities between his Paddington 2 character, Phoenix Mm -hmm. Buchanan, and his Dungeons and Dragons character, Forge Fitzwilliam. When you see the film, you will see that they are almost the exact same character. Slim, can you back me up? I can 100% back you up. It almost felt like they were multiverse characters. Hunter agrees. Between this and Paddington 2, I've decided that Hugh Grant should be the villain of every movie from now on. I'm sure you agree with that. I 10,000% agree. I think he should be the villain. I think he should be the hero. I think he should play every single role in every single movie until the end of time. Thank you, Hunter. We also have a review from Sydney. Split diopter and animatronics in the Dungeons and Dragons movie is crazy. The Dungeons and Dragons movie making me cry is crazier. Can't believe this turned out that delightful. Go see it in theaters so we can get more silly high fantasy adventures on the silver screen, baby. (laughs) 
Be a hero. See it on the silver screen. <laughs> Next on our list this week is 1001, which you heard about the top of the show, directed by A.V. Rockwell on 11,000 watch lists. This is in theaters. And in case you missed it at the top of the show, here's the synopsis. Struggling but unapologetically living on her own terms, Inez is moving from shelter to shelter in the mid-90s NYC. With her six-year-old son, Terry, in foster care and unable to leave him again, she kidnaps him so they can build their life together. And the movie tracks them as the years go on. The buzz on this movie, and first of all, the posters that this movie has are out of sight. Like, the current poster on Letterboxd right now, if that doesn't make you want to see this movie, you need to wake up. Um, Some folks may know A.V. Rockwell from her 2018 short Feathers. So I'm excited to see this. Yeah, I mean, it, it. as we also mentioned, it won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance this year, which is huge. And then it also stars Tayana Taylor, who was choreographing Beyonce videos at just age 15. What? Yes. So she choreographed Beyonce's music video for Ring the Alarm at literally age 15. So My the God. least you can do is go see her movie. <laughs> uh, we have some reviews. Sarah left a review. There's more to life than effed up beginnings. A Thousand and One is a fantastic arresting debut about damaged people trying to create a better world for those they love. Tiana Taylor delivers a standout performance as a mother whose secrets threaten to derail her family. Stunning 90s style cinematography captures a changing Harlem. Great review, Sarah. Ooh, and then Clara also has a review. A.V. Rockwell hits a home run with her story, navigating us through the life of this family from its determined origins to its devastating end. Tiana Taylor is an utter force, unstoppable and bursting with power, a beacon of what a leading actor is. Josiah Cross comes up to the plate with Taylor and knows how to play just as expertly. His filmography is small now, but what he's able to draw out within a thousand and one alludes to a bright, phenomenal future on the silver screen. My God, people going hard. People are going hard. And then it's also pretty big that this is a debut feature, Feature, as well as featuring kind of newer actors. And, you know, speaking of debut features, we got another one (gasps) coming up. Yeah, Rye Lane, directed by Rain Allen Miller. This is on 22,000 watch lists. It is coming out on Hulu. Two 20-somethings, both reeling from bad breakups, connect over the course of an eventful day in South London, helping each other deal with their nightmare exes and potentially restoring their faith in romance. Are rom-coms back? That's the question people are asking you. Are they back? Is this official? I sure hope so. I am a rom-com connoisseur, and I I often complain about the lack of quality rom-coms these days. It seems studios forgot um, how to cast Hugh Grant in films, um, <laughs> <laughs> such as these. So I I have seen this. I watched it at Sundance, and I kind of if you'll if you're a true Weekend Watchlist fan, you will mm-hmm. remember when I I teased this a little bit earlier. Um, but just just to recap, I love these walk and talk romantic stories that take place over um, pretty much just one day. It's a it's a really really impressive feature debut from Rain Allen Miller, and it has a squeal worthy cameo in it. That again, oh. I will not spoil. But I was really I had to run around my apartment. I was squeaking and squawking. Um, <laughs> I love British rom coms. I love them. I love them. I love them. So what? So what, Slim? <laughs> No one is arguing with you. Don't yell at me. I've well, never heard of Walk and Talk. you argued with me before, I Bridget Jones, remember? I, I remember I'm when ne- check you the tapes. 
called Colin Firth a cardboard standout. <laughs> I will never forget <laughs> that was in my an, entire life. He was an absolute dud in that movie. She, <laughs> I could not believe she was attracted to him in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Uh, but I've never heard of walk and talk romantic stories. I like that phrase. That makes a whole lot Thank of sense. You. So I, I, I'll, some of the trailer, some of the reviews rather, mentioned how it had a distinctive look. And after watching the trailer, you can absolutely see it. The wide lens out the wazoo in the trailer. I love it. So I also love that this is hitting Hulu. Feels like the perfect weekend watch with your fave person or solo, whichever you prefer. Yeah, we have we have a couple of reviews. Maybe maybe watch it solo because Yaz said cried on and off the whole film, partly because I was so happy and partly because I was so sad that white people have gotten to see themselves on big screens and feel like this forever. Now mm. I know what I've missed out on. More black British rom-coms, please. Rachel is on Mia's side. The rom-com genre is well and truly alive. I can't express how much I love this. It's so funny. I'll be thinking about that script forever. The rom-com is back. We haven't had a decent one since Phantom Thread. <coughs> so it's it's good. It's, it's, it's good that it's back. Um, <laughs> we also have some video on demand call out this oh, week, A Slim. Wow. I think this could be a pretty big week for you because Avatar, The Way of Water, the long wait is mm -hmm. over. Avatar, The Way of the Water. main thing I'm excited about is there's three hours of bonus footage, like behind the scenes. I was thinking about this the other day. Do I want to watch this movie when it's not in 3D high frame rate? I don't know. What does that say about me? Does no, about I think movie? you should. I have, I have some buddies who watched screeners of it at their home, not in 3D, and they said it still yeah. hits. They, they do okay. say it still hits just as hard, so... Do not be afraid. You don't have to invest in a 3D TV. But do they even make, no one even knows if they make 3D TVs anymore. Who knows? They're in like the graveyard. Slim, you got to trust in James Cameron. Always. 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 <laughs> also, the last thing we'll call out the sun is also available. Uh, that was a recent release. So let's look back at last week. We have to get into last week. There's so much happening. John Wick Chapter 4 has swept the weekend watch list hashtag on Letterboxd. It's everywhere. There's so many John Wick reviews that came in. 4.2 average on Letterboxd. It's insane. People are in love with this movie. Uh, Kate left a review. Imagine the life choices you'd have to make to be one of those club goers in Berlin. Just seeing people get absolutely bodied in a hatchet fight and you're so nonplussed that you keep dancing and watching as endless assassins come out of the crowd around you to keep getting killed. They must have really seen some S in their lifetimes. Have you seen John Wick 4 yet? You know I saw John Wick 4. You know it. I saw John Wick Chapter 4 in IMAX, and I also saw Josie and the Pussycats in 35 millimeter. It was Not a what? big, big time for me. I am very interested in the idea of Parker Posey, Alan Cumming, Rina Sawayama, and Donnie Yen teaming up to bring me harm. My God, your movie going is still electrifying. You're seeing all these hits, 35 millimeter, my God. Yeah, Josie, it was it was magical. I also want to say that seeing John Wick 4 in IMAX, it's like the sound mixing and design is turned up to 11. Oh. The seats were shaking. It was it was really thrilling. I hadn't been shook around in my seat like that since Top Gun Maverick, I tell you what. This wasn't one of those like 4DX viewings where they're like spraying water on people if there's like a wave in the movie or something 
I know. I thought it would be at first because of how much I was shaking. But no, this is normal, I guess. Mm. It, the movie just goes that hard. The so, new normal. So you, might, you might have to. The new normal. <laughs> you you yeah. might have to go. All right. All right. We'll see. Go see. A good person uh, from Zach Braff last week. 3.5 average. The Gemma line. Uh, and Tori and Lakita also 3.4 average from the last week. Um, we, we're running out of time. We got to move on. I wanted to point out that we got the exclusive real quick on the Asteroid City poster this week. That was pretty cool. Uh, and also the trailer just came out. Everyone's losing their minds about that. Do you have any vibes on Wes Anderson's Asteroid City? Are you going to be first in line to see it? Yes. Yes, I am. I love Wes Anderson. I'll say it. I'll admit it right it here out. on the pod. Let it out. Um, I am very excited for, for Asteroid City. Hong Chao is an Asteroid City. Oh. Come on. That's neat. That is neat to me. Yes, she is one of the 10 billion names on that poster. There's a lot of names on to, there. You have to look hard. But. I was pretty pleased. If I can just uh, talk about how happy I am with myself. I tweeted a zinger about this trailer. I called it Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind. <laughs> Are you going viral, Slim? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if In my mind, I'm always going viral with my zingers, my witty ones. <laughs> <laughs> Me almost just spit up her coffee. <laughs> Ooh, Slim, shall we check in on the Letterbox Top 50 of 2023? Mm-hmm. Let's see what is at the top of the list for things released this year. So for those who are curious, Jack updates this list each week with the ones that leave and the ones that jump in for the first time. So yeah, we'll have a link in the episode notes to Jack's list. You can see the official list, but... Uh, Jack even noted how the response to the list has been great. People are excited that it's back finally. Uh, we did mention that it was going to come back around April and we've been, you know, killing time with the hot 100, the hottest list uh, of 2023 previously. But John Wick chapter four, I think briefly knocked out Past Lives for number one, but Past Lives is back. And we talked about that movie several times. Um, Jack also notes that it's a great week for Canadian cinema. I like movies already in the top 10, but Rice Boy Sleeps, all the way in the top three, which has been billed as the Canadian Minari. Excuse Ooh. me. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, French-Canadian film, The Dishwasher. So click on that list, add some movies to your watch. Let's see what these are about. Uh, it's going to be pretty exciting for the rest of the year. Just real briefly, the Hot 100. I think we've kind of can predict at this point what the, the most recent ones being added are. Um, and this was honestly just a stopgap until Jack's list was ready, but... John, John Wick Chapter 4 is number one on the Hot 100 this week by a lot. Uh, 42,000 watch lists. My God. Calm down, John. It's not Dungeons and Dragons. Is that second at least? No, I think Dungeons and Dragons will probably be top of the list next week. Um, so the Hot 100. Okay. There you have it. Nothing too exciting. We'll check in if there's some exciting things to call out specifically in the future. But we have we have to move on to our, our own watch lists, mm -hmm. Mia. Yeah, we do. What did what did you what did you shuffle the last time you were on the show? What do you what did you have to watch before you were on this week? I feel like I keep getting kind of similar movies like about rats and vampires. And <laughs> so this week I I had gotten a movie called I Like Bats, uh, which is again about vampires, but not rats, bats. And um I was surprised there are some parts that reminded me of Jean Dealman. Um oh only God. because <laughs> 
Only because it features a troubled blonde European woman in a long, pretty coat running errands. If you do that, you're Jean Dielman to me. Um, <laughs> that is the only similarity it has. Don't worry. There there were some fun lines in this. It's like this little Polish 80s film mm. that only has been watched by about a thousand people. Um, it was restored recently via Severin Films, so that's why people are starting to now discover it. And... Um, it's it's kind of a standard vampirism as metaphor for women's sexuality movie, but that's a really cool standard. Yeah, um, I like it. Like there's there's this fun line where this guy says to her, "Most women abhor bats," and she says, "Most women, yes," and that's just funny to me. <laughs> that's so me with my bat tattoo. Um, and like, what stereotype is that that women don't like bats? Like, what are you talking about? But. Anyway, <laughs> even even if like the parts don't necessarily add up to a cohesive whole, it looks effing amazing. Like it has all these bold Jalo-esque colors mm. and lighting and production design and um but but oh my god, Slim. We yes. got to talk about the movie that you watched cuz this is a biggie. Boy, Spill, oh boy. please. <laughs> I shuffled and got Brief Encounter from David Lean, oh. the king. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Shivago, The Passionate Friends, which I also loved, Passage to India, Great Expectations, Bridge on the River Kwai, which is incredible. So David Lean is no joke. And I gave this five stars. It's insane. It's amazing. It's black and white. It follows two married people, married to different people, uh, who meet uh, on a Thursday at the train station, and they think nothing of it. They meet again and then again, and eventually they realize that something is brewing between them. Um, they go to the movies and it's fairly innocuous, but it grows into something more because of what she's like lacking in her current marriage. Um, it eventually grows to the point where like they're hanging out a little bit more on those Thursdays. They go to lunch, but they run into friends of hers. And then like their reaction, her reaction to being seen by her friends with like, you know, another man. And they know like the two of them know that like there's something more, but like now other people have seen them and it's nothing's like lewd about it. Like they don't show, they show like this embrace that they have in the, in the tunnel underneath the train. It's gorgeous. I got hit up with so many comments. I think this was like one of those movies that people were waiting for other people to watch and enjoy. It's five stars. It's an incredible movie. Yeah. I loved it. So you, you've seen it, right? You've seen this in the past? Yes, I have. It is, it is incredible. It's another great walk and talk romantic story in a way, even though sometimes they're sitting Mm-hmm. But it's kind of in in that vein, and it's the script is what really got me. It is uh, written by Noel Coward, um, excellent words wow. smith. Yeah, um, yeah. I think this is one of the great love stories. It is an essential, so I'm I'm very glad you watched it. <sighs> Yay! What a, what a shuffle. The watch list does it again. What a shuffle. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we should spotlight some community reviews. Thanks everyone to tagging your review weekend watch list. Uh, I wanted to call out Georgia's Miami Vice review. Oh, the Colin Farrell Big Suit Mojito 2000 soundtrack of it all. I need to go, I need to watch Miami Vice. I think I I tried watching when it came out and it wasn't for me, but maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Miami Vice has been in my watch list since I made Letterboxd. Um, so wait, you haven't, you so haven't seen Miami time. Vice? It is my last like good lead Colin Farrell movie that I've, been holding out on wow. because once I watch that, it's like I'm done with Colin Farrell films, you know? 
it ends. So I'm I'm holding out. Maybe it'll screen on 35 mil. Well, it does screen on 35 millimeter, but it's sold, it sells out so quickly. But a one lot, of these days, there's a I'm lot to there. unpack here with what this means for you for finally watching mm-hmm. this movie. We don't have to broach this topic and any further this episode if you're not comfortable. Yeah, it's very sensitive for me. Very, very sensitive. Um, but speaking of Colin, I really have to read this review because I am drinking out of a The Lobster Mug right now. And this review made me laugh. Um, this is from Jacob about The Lobster 2015. IDK, what pretentious effed up stuff this was supposed to be, but no thank you. I don't want it. I do kind of respect it though. <laughs> Jacob, I'll take that respect. Thank you for respecting it at the very least. I love when people don't like something, but they respect it. That's that's really the important part of it yeah. all. Yeah. Yes, I say as I take a sip from my lobster mug. <laughs> all right, we should shuffle once more. We should head to the old watch list. Oh, I suppose we should. And I am going to pull mine up. I'm going to filter by stream only. I want to make it easy for myself. And I'm going to sort by shuffle. And the first movie I get, oh my, oh my, streaming on Criterion is Mitchell Sitting Down, 1991, Mississippi Masala. <gasps> this is re- this is happening. The gasp heard around the world. <laughs> uh, this one just got a recent Criterion release, Denzel. Uh, the This cover is gorgeous. We were all waiting for a new cover to put on Letterboxd. And um, you'll find out my thoughts next week. Woo. What did you get? Okay, okay. I got Terms of Endearment. Wow. Directed by James L. Brooks, starring Shirley MacLaine, Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito, and Jeff Daniels as a character named Flap Horton. (laughs) How did you know that? Like, you just remember that factoid? Because you just pulled that out of nowhere. (laughs) No, I'm on the... I'm. I am admittedly on the Terms of Endearment letterbox page okay. and I hovered over his name because, well, I watched the trailer for this when I added this to my watch list like about a month ago. I watched the trailer and they kept saying his name was Flap in the trailer. <laughs> what a name. And I really remembered that. That stuck with me that Jeff Daniels is Flap Horton. Um, so it was a little bit of checking my facts and remembering Flap. Shirley McLean. Yeah, my girl. HBO Max. Okay. Yeah. Big pick. Yes, yes, and James L. Brooks. Your boy. Legend. From Broadcast our boy, News. Our boy, James. As good mm-hmm, as it gets mm-hmm. and one of your favorite Spanglish. And The Simpsons. With Adam uh, Sandler. Yeah, one of my favorite films, Spanglish, <laughs> which I've definitely seen. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Weekend Watchlist, brought to you by The Letterbox Show. You can follow Mia Mitchell Slim, that's me and her HQ page on Letterboxd using the links in our episode notes. And if you had the time, maybe consider rating the podcast on Spotify or leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps spread the word about the show. Thanks to our crew and thanks to Letterboxd member Trent Walton for the theme music, Eyes On. Thanks to Jack for the facts and Sophie Shin for the episode transcript. And as always, to you for listening. Weekend Watchlist is a Tape Deck production.
This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Oh.